It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the 2021-22 pre-season edition. And I've got a gaggle of craggy crew members here for this pre-season. I'm going to just drag them in as we go. Um, as I look at the fixture list, could be a very tough start to the season. We'll start with a regular, William Davis. Looks like we're going to be in for a, a tough season this season. What are your expectations? Uh, not very high, Alan. Um, I think this is going to be a real challenge. For Connacht, I think last season, an 8-8 eight and eight record in 16 probably reflected about where they were. Um, they're going to have to win at least 12 games to be competitive. Uh, but a third of the games are going to be interprovincials. That's, that's an Achilles heel for them, which they'll have to overcome. I don't think they'll win as many away games as they did last season, which was a good achievement, slightly obscure one maybe for them to win so many away games and they'll have to improve their home home form and the, st- the start is absolutely key if if you're chasing after your first five games and that applies to any team uh you you're on the back you're going to be on the back foot you've got to get ahead of ahead of it for those first five weekends they sure do Niall Niall Packy Shield has joined us for this evening. You might have to drop off in a few minutes. I know some people are going to be dropping in and out, so bear with us, folks. What are your thoughts, Niall, and, and, and who should we be looking out for? Are there any players you should be looking out for this season? Um, well, we didn't need to our new signings. Um, this uh, Leva Fafita, I've seen him knocking around. He's a massive human being. Um, it's badly, badly needed because we saw in the, in the pre-season game how badly beaten up we were. Um, the, you know, uh, we really need to meet, you know, these beefier fellas we, we, without Quinn Rue we've lost we've lost a good uh, lost a good bit of that so uh, him I actually think uh, I'd like to see um, a little bit of Sam Millo I think he's going he's a exceptional prospect and I think we'll see I think we'll see him play a game or two and I think he'll surprise a couple of people um, and we could end up seeing a lot more of him than we we think we would at this stage so uh, they're two for me yeah excellent yeah. excellent and, and, and your thoughts on, on you know are we are we going to be is it going to be as tough as William says? Oh absolutely. Um um so I, I think I think this is going to be a very difficult season. Um and I'm not sure how, how I think it'll go either. Uh, right. I think somewhere similar to last season will be uh, I think that'd be that'd be a result actually. And we also have Lindy McKenzie from the Galway Advertiser joining us. What are your expectations for the season? Um, I'd probably concur with both William and Niall. Certainly the start is, is really important, as, as William says. And the other thing I think is we, if we want to go anywhere, we have to nail those, those home matches. Um, I, I'm delighted that, you know, we have, uh, no, uh, no has mentioned uh, Eva Fifita coming in and he's, a, and he's a massive bloke. I think Abraham Papalihi is another one who after a tricky first year here last season is those two players are going to have the potential to be able to mix it up with some of the bigger boys. And we're certainly, we're certainly going to need them. Um, particularly against, obviously against the South Africans and, and coming back into Europe again. I'm also interested to see, I suppose, the development of some of those younger players, you know, the Peter Sullivan's and the Sean Masterson's, the Niall Murray's, the Murray's, the Ken Prendergast's, you know, because they're, they're going to be another, another year mm-hmm. developed from where they started. And they've certainly shown a huge, huge lot of potential. And similarly, I'm delighted to see that Tom Farrell has returned. 
Oh, of course, yes. One of, one, of, one of the guys that I used to get a lot of slagging about having a man crush on would be someone like Tom Farrell. And, and hopefully he will bring us something in the back line that seemed to be missing last year. Another another of the craggy crew joining us today is, is Dave Finn. Dave, how are you? How's your summer been? And what have you got to try and lighten the load that maybe gives a bit more positivity than we've got so far on from our experts? Well, I mean, from my perspective, Rugby hasn't happened. There's been virtually no rugby apart from the under-20s for the summer. Um, I'm going to put in a suggestion that I haven't heard yet, but based on that Lions tour is, I think the South African teams may have sold us a pup because I've never seen a team, they're as bad as the Italians are without their internationals. Now, if their internationals show up, then we're in for dogfight. It's going to be horrendous. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be the greatest rugby we're ever going to see. They're going to be dogfights. And I, I, I do agree with the guys. Have we got, are we a team that's set up to deal with that level of forward intensity? Because we struggle against English teams. We struggle against London Irish in a pre-season friendly up front. So how are we going to cope with the South Africans when they come with points on the table? But I do think that what was completely missed in that um, was how much they the teams dropped off without their internationals. I'm more optimistic. I think there's a fundamental... What what The one caveat I have on the whole of the season is it is theoretically possible to finish 13th and end up in the Champions Cup, and I think that's problematic. I think that's seriously problematic. I think all the, all, all the problems about on the pitch the guys have dealt with, and I can't fundamentally disagree with them, though I am much more optimistic um, that I... In terms of the players, I think the more interesting thing for Connacht is the coaches. What are the new coaches going to bring? Um, David Senecal is going to be a hugely important figure this year because we he is new. We know what Marty can do. We know what Collie Tucker can do. We know what Pete, Pete can do. We've all we've 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 seen them in action. We know what their teams can do. So yeah, can, can I just can I bring in because I know Niall has to drop off pretty soon. Niall, you you know a bit more about these lads, the 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 coaching side of things. Can you give us a bit more? background to them and, and, and what you think they might bring to the, the setup? I, I, I'm really impressed with both of them. Um, I think they're um, uh, I think possibly Collie Tucker is more of a, a deep thinker about the game. Um, uh, he's uh, I, I think I think he's excellent. I like the way even the way he set up uh, the under 20 forward pack. He likes a bit of dynamism in play. He's um, from what I can tell about him. He he likes the no talent um, things. He likes you to have them perfect. So, uh, do you think I that think the fact that Collie's been involved, as you mentioned, with the twenties, that we seem to be attracting more of of guys from other provinces who seem to have taken an interest in, in coming to Connacht to further their career? Is this is that part of it? Possibly. I I, I don't know. I mean, the academy uptake is really small. Um, you know, Leinster, the only province to have a full academy uh, uptake for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. It's possibly, it's possibly correct, um, Alan. I, I couldn't, I couldn't answer it for sure, to be honest with you. But I, I do. I've a serious amount of time for both, both of the the guys. Okay, it's going to be a tough start, William. I think it's a very tough start. They've relayed the pitch. Um, Die Young's made a big difference there. He basically told them they weren't fit enough. And he has driven them apparently very, very hard. He was apparently quite brutal. And some of the players that have been let go might have been let go because they simply weren't getting fit enough for his standards. And they're talking about playing a very fast game. They want to, they want to use the artificial pitch. They know it's an advantage for them. 
Connacht struggle against those Welsh sides that play like that. The Ospreys in Cardiff are often, whereas we sometimes do better against the likes of the Dragons and the Scarlets. So we have the Dragons coming in week three and they're talking a very good game. Now, the view in Wales is maybe a, a little less talking and a bit more action is what they need. Um, but that just boils into this uh, for Connacht. They have to hit the ground running and they haven't done so. They can talk about the, the two warm-up games and I know that you know there were 37 or 38 people popped on for London Irish. Mm. Impossible to keep track of who was who. Mm. But they still were, were, were losing the contact area and they were caught the midfield defence players running from first and second phase. And that's what Cardiff will do. Ray Lilo uh, is a past master at that and it'll be no different next Friday night I'm just looking forward to the fact that I'm actually going over to Cardiff to watch a game live out of Ireland getting on a plane uh, which is very ex- very exciting just just to do that but well it's I'm well ex- for some it's well for some Lindley um, are you worried about the fact that I look at the at the, the fixture list that, that you know four four of the first six games a kind of player at home it's kind of slightly lopsided, and then as as, as you go on, they, they play. Then in in January they play three home games in the URC, and they'll have another one. So in January they have four home games, which means with a very few home games from February onwards, are you slightly worried that that's a somewhat lopsided fixture list. No, no, not at all. That's just the way the fixtures are. That that they know they know it, they know it now. They've known when fixtures came out. They just have to deal with it. You know, everyone has their own little issues to deal with when it comes to fixtures. So no. Um, you know, it, it gives them an opportunity to uh, possibly, when they have those fixtures at home, to actually take advantage and get a good run of wins, which will they may need at that stage to give them more confidence going forward. And so, no, I, I don't. I think it's just the way, just the way the cookie crumbles, basically. All right. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, any- I, 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 I would have to come in there and say I think the fixture list is a shambles. That's the worst fixture list that any team has been handled. Handled. Where seven of your first 11 are at home, nobody else has been asked to do that. I think for fans, I think there's a potential chance for a huge disengagement with fans. Once you get in there, they're going to play a game in March and a game at the middle end of May at home. There'll be a European game in there, fingers crossed. Um, if you've got to keep people engaged, you've got to keep them coming to the sports ground. And you've just spaced this out. And I've looked at the other fixture lists and nobody, it, it's, the excuse was given it's because of the South African teams and the fact that they're, uh, they have issues. And it was said yesterday on the URC press conference that games in South Africa may be moved to un, un, an undisclosed destination at some stage due to COVID, um, which I've heard is Dubai, uh, because they're still very concerned about this. But I think Connacht got the short straw there. I, I accept what Lindy's saying about you've got to get on with it. It's not an excuse, but I'm more concerned from the fans' perspective that the season sort of just telescopes together and then just spreads out weirdly uh, when maybe conditions are going to be a bit easier and they might actually be getting aiming to get full crowds in sort of around March, April time. It's Connacht are just told, listen, get on with it. You're 
we're, we're not interested. We've had enough. We saw that last weekend. With the well, I was, I was I was about to bring that in. Part of this preseason, like we're, we're a bit late for various reasons with our preseason podcast, and so we've we've missed out on on the women's interpros, um, which is um, slapping a hand for me because I didn't get this organised in time. So apologise uh, to all our. Connacht women followers and rugby followers, but yeah, last weekend was an absolute and utter shambles, and it's 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 incredible to see a, a representative team treated like that. I I just I find it mind blowing, and I was delighted to see the likes of Paul Boyle and and we'll hear from actually let's let's actually hear what both Paul Boyle and Gary Ringrose had to say at the press conference uh, at the launch yesterday. It's obviously pretty ridiculous, and there was clearly a, a massive. Uh, Mixed, but I, I can't imagine it be a mistake that'll ever or shouldn't ever be made again. So, um, yeah, I don't really know the ins and outs, but other than it was a, a massive mistake and it's one that shouldn't have happened, but I've no doubt, as I said, it won't happen again. This wasn't an ideal scenario, and we spoke about it ourselves in the change room that that we wouldn't put up for it, and it's not good enough. Um, I suppose from a bigger level, the apology has been made. Hopefully it won't happen again. Hopefully there's dressing rooms available and the COVID stuff goes away. But if a scenario like that was to happen again, hopefully the powers that be make the right decision and don't have the guys there. When Whenever there's a Connacht women's game on, we go and support them. Um, but yeah, 100%. I think it's the game is growing. Um, there's huge support behind it. Uh, you can, I was watching the, the women's game against Spain there, there on Monday and it was a really enjoyable game and the women's game is only getting bigger so I think the more support it gets the better OK Lindley do you think it's it's um, something that the men could do more of? I think everyone should should stand up and stick up for them actually whether you're male or female you know I, I um, and and you know all the the people in the top branches should you know the branch officers should stick up for, you know should stick up for them look I think Interestingly enough, I think that this was possibly an example of when the game isn't being isn't professional mm. in the sense that, you know, of course, it wouldn't happen to them. Of course, it wouldn't happen to, to the males, probably. But we don't know that. But assuming assuming that it was moved to Energy Park, probably shouldn't have been played there. There's plenty of other stadia that it could have been. And really and truly, the, let's say, you know, the IRFU should have had somebody there to make sure before this game took place that everything was in order. These are semi-professional and professional players in in in, in everything but being paid, you know, and to ship to treat them like that is you know it's it's quite it's 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 so demeaning and I can understand why there's a, why there's a lot of frustration. Now I hope I hope this is just maybe a res, the result of this will be that hopefully it will such a thing would never happen again. But it's just an unprofessional attitude. When I mean, we talk about professionalism, that this is just an unprofessional an unprofessional way to treat to treat players. And you know it, I I don't know where else. Where else, you know, it, I've never seen the likes of it before. You know, I'm sure maybe it's happened in the past a long time ago, but you know, I just, I think it's it's a real learning curve, and I think I'm delighted that most people have accepted that this was shocking treatment, and you know, I would imagine now that you know it, it won't. I would sincerely hope it won't happen again. And no, of course, it came on the back of the Irish women losing their um, World Cup qualifier to Spain, which has put a really huge spotlight on the women's game in the country as to as to what's happening and is there 
And are there deep-rooted issues there that need to be sorted out? What are your thoughts, Dave? Um, I'm going to come at this from a very slightly different angle. I have a deep suspicion, and it ties in with a little bit what Lindy said about the lack of professionalism. I have a horrible suspicion that whilst the world has been focusing on the fact it was women players, I'm slightly more concerned that it was Connacht women players. And the reason for that is there is still an attitude among some of the rugby fraternity in the eastern half of this country regarding Connacht that we are basically a bunch of lads up from the sticks. And I'm not saying that there wasn't an element of sexism in this. I think there was an element of sexism in this, but I also think there was an, a, an, an element of dismissal of conduct in this as well. And I think that shouldn't be lost in all of this because, yes, I very much doubt the, uh, the, the senior women's team will ever be treated like this again. Simply put, if you're going to have matches in one venue at one time going forward, looking at next year, 22 and onwards, you should put them in stadiums with four changing rooms. If it had been in the Aviva, even if it had been in the RDS or somewhere else, or even this this high, high performance centre in Abbottstown, they would have had dressing rooms. It was put in a place that was told, here you go, guys, you're having these two matches. And they have very much old school thinking, old school thinking towards women's rugby, old school thinking towards comic rugby. And whilst the world is coming out and condemning them regarding the female aspect of this, we should also highlight the fact that there is there is this attitude amongst some of the old school in the East regarding comic. And I don't think that should be overlooked either. No, no, it shouldn't. But I think on the it's up to the Connacht players on the field and the Connacht coaching team to make sure that our teams are competitive, and and that's where the best place to answer that to me. We we, we should we should we should point out that despite that they went out and they were very unlucky to only get a draw out of that game. So and their kids, most of them are apart from this, there's one or two who are season campaigners, but most of that team is under twenty one, and I thought they. Given everything that happened, I thought they put in a good performance before I knew what they put been, been through. So I think we should praise them even to the height that went out despite everything and got a very credible door to draw against what must be said is a pretty powerful uh, Ulster team. Yeah, and and one one thing we one one organisation we have to thank is, is TG Gahar because they put them on live and it's it's great to see them putting the women's game and putting it up there and and, and making it live so is that everyone gets a chance to watch the women playing at that level. Okay, William. Anything else there on the on the women's side of things? Yeah, well, I I watched all of the games because I was was covering them for Galway Bay, either live in Galway or or off television, and I feel a bit sorry for Munster, who are actually were clearly the best team, hmm. uh, and Connacht gave them their hardest game in Cork. They, you know, both Leinster and Munster give Ulster a thumping. They improved dramatically last weekend. Quite a controversial game, but. Could be here all night talking about that, but the thing was, I felt sorry for Munster because that got lost. They won the tournament. They played three, one, three, uh, and I agree with Dave. I think Connacht showed a lot of good stuff at times, uh, particularly in defence, and they and that's the hardest thing to keep doing it. Uh, and they never dropped their heads. And then when you realise what had gone on before, uh, it took a whole, uh, you know, give that game a whole different meaning. So maybe next season these games could can be played. Hopefully Ireland are going to the Women's Rugby World Cup. So let's use these games as warm-up games. Let's play them a bit earlier in the season. And you know it would help develop younger players if they had the international players in your own side, but also playing against them. You learn from what the other team does. It mightn't be very it might be very tough, 
if you were playing against, say, a Leinster side that had all their international Irish players. But you learn from that. Um, but hopefully this debacle is, and it's still, the, 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 the outflow from it is still going on. This has really hit home now. Mm. You know, you've had uh, Kelly Harrington, Leona Maguire, um, Afrikyo, Fiona Murta, winning medals, doing really well. Women's sport, but you can't turn around then and excuse anything that happened last weekend. There's no excuse for it. And uh, they have to, they put their hands up and they've just got to make sure it doesn't happen again. Here's an idea for them. I won't charge them. I'm not a consultant. The next time they do a double header, play a double header next season in the Interpros, put it in the Aviva and open the gates and say it's free of charge. Come in and get as many people in there as you can. That's the least they can manage. It's the national stadium. They own it. Right. I think we've covered the women's game um, there for the moment. Uh, as the season goes on, we're going to have some uh, dedicated women's podcast on the, the women's game um, during the international windows. More about that uh, and on. But let's talk about the URC and who's sponsoring it. And and there was something out this week that, that one of the countries is going to have a separate sponsor to everybody else. Dave, what, what's what's happening there? Yeah, it's a very, very strange situation. So the, the mail came out and it was from um, it was from URC and it was about Vodacom. So Vodacom have come on board as a title sponsor, but they've only come on as a title sponsor in South Africa. So I don't know what that means in terms of the whole sponsorship. It's still the URC in the north. It's not sponsored by Jim Jim's you know shoes or anything like that. There is no sponsorship. Well, it's now the URC. It's the Vodacom URC Championship, but only in South Africa. That effect, I mean, I don't know how that works. Why are you only sponsoring effectively, uh, you know, twenty five percent of it? I'm I'm slightly baffled by what's going on. I've never ever heard of a tournament having two title sponsors before, depending on which country it's in. Is I don't, or you come up with a neutral title. So it, it's just a very very strange development. Um, well, I think Vodacom only work in South Africa. They're <laughs> they're they're a top South African brand. They've obviously wanted to become attached to this. Uh, it's very hard to get international brands to sponsor stuff. When Guinness were heavily involved, they've moved away now because alcohol sponsorship in sport is going to be banned sometime in the next couple of years in Europe. And they wouldn't be a massive brand in South Africa, although you can get Guinness down there. It's just undrinkable. Um, But it, it is slightly odd, and it's slightly concerning that there is no title sponsor in place. Uh, a week out from the tournament. And EPCR have had this problem as well, that Heineken disappeared and we had all sorts of additional sponsors around the EPCR tournaments. And then Heineken are back, uh, but they're not back quite as much as they were. It's it's a very complex one. Another big announcement this week was, was the fact that there is going to be uh, URC TV, mm. which is another slightly interesting situation because it's not going to be available in the UK, Northern Ireland or Italy, but it will be available in the Republic of Ireland and the rest of the world except South Africa and possibly some other areas that will have to be determined. But this is the fact that you'll be able to pay to watch an individual match. You'll be able to have a monthly subscription, a yearly subscription or a team subscription, as I understand it. But it's funny that the biggest marketplace, which is the UK, which has a population of 65 million, uh, is not available for that because it's on a 
satellite television channel, which is also available in the Republic of Ireland. And a lot of it is on free to air television here, RTE, TG Car. It's it's a slightly confused TV deal again. And people people are going to take a while to get into this. But I think it's interesting that they have taken the plunge on a streaming system, albeit one that doesn't cover the biggest markets. Well, it, it does. It does cover America. Apparently, I've got a there's a, a tweet in here from Neil Heenan, who's who's asked a question. He says, are, are URC actually not trying to sell it properly abroad because the paywall for URC.TV in the US will be one hundred and forty dollars. Now, in the US, they can watch the Champions Cup and Premiership Rugby on a, um, a thing called Peacock. I don't know what Peacock is for six dollars a month. NBC. NBC six dollars a month, so yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating question, and and it does seem does seem as somewhat expensive. And I had a look at that, and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll log into that because I'd be able to we'll be able to do some more detailed stats. But then I looked at the price and went, wow, <laughs> I'm not paying that. This is way over the top. Um, well, I think one hundred and forty dollars for America is pretty good value. You'd be paying a hell of a lot more over there if you wanted Major League Baseball or no. But do he compared it to the to the Champions Cup and the Premier and Premier Rugby six dollars? Uh, yeah, well, that's a tricky one. Uh, the Champions Cup, I suppose, was less games. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's 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 a market that is still working itself out. Yeah, um, but it will be interesting to see who is announced as as a title sponsor. There has to, you would it's going to be interesting if next Friday night. It kicks off and we don't have a title sponsor. Yeah, that's, Lindley, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you think this is this is an issue for them, or is it just something that's it's just been there forever, really, isn't it? I I think possibly they couldn't get a title sponsor that included. It's much easier, obviously, to get a title sponsor that's in the northern hemisphere for for the teams that are playing from the northern hemisphere. So I think it was a way of of bringing in the South Africans and getting some money. Um, and obviously, I think Vodacom sponsor the Bulls as well, don't they? So I would assume they're just going to split it in two, and they're going to be the title sponsors for the South African team, so to speak. And possibly they haven't yet got one. Um, up in the northern hemisphere, I think it's just a way. It's just, it's just. It's, I think it's just a way of getting a sponsor to be able to bring the South Africans in. Yeah, maybe that's where the Rock Nation's coming in with this this whole OTT over the top um, presentation of sports because you know it's not other sports necessarily that are are um, the biggest competitors in this world. Esports is a massive competitor, you know, um, competitor to live sport and sports like rugby. So there's there's a and and online and how you know young people like like Danny would be the youngest of us anyway, and he'd yeah, be, say he'd be <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to call you that young, um, but you know he'd be he'd be more inclined to watch a tablet or a, or a phone as quickly as you would a TV at this stage, and Jan certainly the generation coming behind you tend not to watch as much TV. Um, one of the reasons is like and. When I did see that the URC TV, I wasn't actually very surprised, uh, just purely because I did think that this is way uh, a lot of things are going now, purely because people just want to watch what they want to watch. It's not a case of like you turn on your TV, you've got 150 channels, but is there anything on that you want to watch or is it like you're just flicking through channels? I think that's kind of coming to the end, maybe not with my generation, but certainly the one behind me. Um, you mentioned esports. You look at uh, 
I see all these streamers on YouTube or Twitch or anything like that, and people are throwing, um, say, five quid at them uh, every month so they can watch them play games or just enjoy what entertainment they're doing. Um, but it's 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 a specific thing. It's that they're watching something that they're getting on a regular basis rather than turning on RT. It's like, what's on RT, you know? Um, so that's where I think the whole subscription thing is going. Um, definitely the whole thing about watching on your phone or tablet, it's just about watching the games now. Um, for us, it doesn't matter whether it's this big screen or anything like that, you know? Uh, a lot of people tend to be on the move. Uh, say you could be on the bus or going, uh, you're on a train or something like that. You can whip out your phone and the screens on phones are, are now are so good that if you hold it a certain distance away, it's like watching a TV. You know, it, the technology is, is making it easier for people to watch stuff on the go. Um, so you don't necessarily have to go down the, the old school way of sitting down on a couch, sitting in a sitting room, watching a TV with a TV subscription. So I think it's going the other way where it's going to break down and people are going to start giving these uh, smaller, more refined things. Okay. All right. And that's all about the fan engagement and how fans engage with the sport and, and as you say, being on the move, being able to keep up with it. I love being able to, there are certain teams I follow in other sports and, and just getting Twitter updates or whatever of when a score has happened and you're able to look at it like, you know, three minutes later, I don't care. Not I'm not seeing it live. I want to see the I want to see the score, whatever that score was. And and you know, going after. I think basketball in in the states has been very very successful along that side of things. So I think there's going to be more of that as the the season goes on. So that's um fascinating stuff. Yeah, the real the real challenge as well then for sports organisations is getting fans into stadiums, and they're still winning that battle, but they are thinking ten years down the road will it still be the norm to go and watch your team or do you just watch it remotely? That's Well, and, 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 to, and the flip oh. side of that is that they're building stadiums for eSports. They're literally building stadiums for people to go and sit and watch people playing video games. <laughs> so, you know, how do, how do you balance that out? Where You know, it, it, it's, it's a very strange scenario. I don't think that's going to change, if I'm honest, because um, I guess the one of the, the closest things is that is is actually when you're sitting at home, you're you're you are watching a game. Yes, you can be on Twitter and you're you're texting back and forth to your mates, but there's still something about being there live and talking to your mates in person. There that that hasn't gone away. I don't think that's disappearing either. Um, like they're saying is that they're they're building stadiums for esports. There is still something about being in a crowd, uh, that social interaction. Um, that I still think is very predominant. So I don't think it's going to be a case of that they're going to be fighting to get people in. Um, I, I I just don't see that dying it, as long as 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 long as you've got your hardcore fans. And if if they're going down this specific subscription route, I really can't see that dying because people are going. To, maybe not everyone will be going to every single game, but people will be going to games. So it might be might be changing. Uh, rather than just a hardcore, you get more sporadic fans. Oh, right. South Africa will be the real South Africa will be the real challenge for that mm. because they they are moving to a post attendance fan base down there, and this is going to be massive. I mean, nobody turned up to watch the Cheetahs or the Kings. There are bigger crowds. Tur- the Test matches, yes, they're sold out, but some of the attendances for Curry Cup rugby in South Africa are appalling. 
uh, and it'll be really a big challenge to see how the URC, if they don't sell this product correctly, people will still support the Bulls or the Stormers, but they'll be inclined to go, uh, yeah, they're playing the Scarlets. Who are they? Watch that at home. Have a few beers, put a few steaks on. It's just, it, I'm going to be fascinated to see how that works because I think it's a big, it's really a challenge for, it's a challenge for the people who run rugby, URC, but it's also a challenge for the individual. Uh, they don't like to be called franchises, but effectively they're all, all these teams are franchises. They're all businesses. Hmm. Um, and how they do that and, you know, it's, this is this season, but they have to be thinking ahead and ahead and ahead because old fellas like me will eventually stop going uh, because we're too decrepit and we can't go. But how do you bring in people behind us to replace me? Yeah, I think that one that one is one that's going to run and run. And I'm, as I say, I'm assuming the likes of Rock Nation are part of that, trying to generate enough interest. And maybe Lindley, part of it is, you know, from, from a Connacht perspective, is that... Um, not much is going to happen here until they improve the ground, until they actually put a, a proper stand in and they make it a venue and they're making an event, you know, somewhere where it's, it's you know, a place to go and you have to be there because, you know, where else would you be on a Friday night in Galway except in the sports ground? Well, obviously, those facilities are obviously there to make the, you know, the stadium more attractive to punters to come and, and to make an experience and make an evening out. But at the same time, I don't think Connacht are ever going to lose their core base of supporters. I really don't. Um, you know, I think that appetite is there. I think it was it was shown last weekend, you know, with the London Irish match, that the appetite is still there. And I think that's one of the positives, I think, going into the season after, you know, nearly two years of, of 18 months of, of of, you know, having, you know, no supporters. Connacht is one of the teams that love their supporters, that thrive on their supporters. And I think it's just going to be great to see. And when I say supporters, I mean the, I mean the, the true supporters. I mean, you know, the families, the kids that are going there, the people who are going to engage with the team, who are going to, you know, play every move alongside the team. These are the real rock hard supporters that Connacht loves. And I don't see, I don't see that changing. Well, I certainly hope not. I, I fully agree. I have to say it was it was wonderful to be in the sports ground last week and, and apologies for to all our supporters for not getting the podcast out last week, a technical issue and a just a sheer piece of stupidity on my part. I lost I lost the recording. Um but it was wonderful to be back in the sports ground last week. As you I think you said in the podcast that the the best player of the day was were the fans, having the fans back in and the noise they generated and, and the support that they provided and it certainly Certainly got to me in the in the um in the press box, and I was jumping around a little bit too uh, too early in the early parts of the game because it was just so wonderful to be in the ground where people were cheering and shouting and 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 roaring. I agree. I think we we won't lose too many of those Connacht fans, and we'll we'll keep them going. Okay, Danny's going to have to run off, but just before he goes, I just want to uh, we we've got a number of new players in. I think it's five new players in. Give, give me give me a little bit of info on on each one of them there, Dan. Okay, so we'll start off uh, with Mac Hansen. Uh, he played fullback for Australia under 20s in the 2018 um, Rugby World Cup. Uh, you've got Shane Bolton. He's currently the fastest player in the squad in the preseason. Uh, Greg McGrath, he's the sixth former Lansdowne player in our squad. Uh, Sammy Elo played number eight up to senior schools cup level and then moved to Loosehead before making five appearances for Ireland under 20s at Tidehead. 
and uh, Leva Fafita, who worked as a translator for three years in Japan before taking up rugby professionally. I love that last one. I, I, I nearly fell off the chair when I, when I, I came across that one myself and I thought, wow, that, there's a guy we have to interview because how do you end up playing rugby for Connacht when you've been with a translator in a, in a uh, I think it was a concrete factory um, in Japan for three years? <laughs> So it's up to you, over to you, William, on that one. I'm looking forward to your conversations with him on that. Yeah, that's 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 different. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's going to be fascinating. We haven't seen him yet. Uh, we haven't seen Mac Hansen either. I'm still worried about our lack of cover at half. Danny mentioned Mac Hansen as a fullback, um, but like I, I had the impression we were picking up a possibly an out half. But like, there's a, we only have two out halves. I Nobody, think it's, I think it's a. Tr- I think it's a tricky one. I mean, Tom Daly can go in there to push. It's true. Um, yep. And I think they would go down there. Mac Hansen fascinates me a little bit. I mean, he's, tomorrow he's playing on the wing. Now, I would have thought, suggested when he came here that he was going to be an out half. Well, I would have thought no finer opportunity than in a, in a development uh, interpro behind closed doors to say to him, right, you're going to, we're going to have you. Now, he could change. I mean, let's, he could, might be moved. After 20 minutes, he could be moved after half time. But. And we'll never know because there's no coverage in the game. No, I'll ask. I'll ask, Alan. But the thing is. I I never thought he was an out up. I always thought he was a winger or fullback. Yeah, but you see, they, 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 in school, in school, he was an out half, and he won. He, he, brought, he brought his school to the final of whatever thing was on. Totally, you know, off his own back. Apparently, it was all about how well he was playing at out half. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's out half at professional levels are different. They're very and rare. They're like quarterbacks in American football. They're they're expensive. They're difficult to, to get to the right level. But it is a concern, and now that you've brought it up, it's inevitable that we will get a couple of injuries there. But I think. To, <laughs> yeah, but I you're, think hardly, you're, you're hardly going to put you're hardly going to put Mac Hansen straight into out half. No, you'll you know, put Tom Daly in first. I would. Well, or even or even. But you're not going to put him in for the. You're not going to put him in for the Eagles either. You know, his first his first start ever for 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 Conant and put him in out half when he hasn't played. It's obvious that he he's a, a possibility then. But I think it's going to be one of those possibilities that might take a little bit of time. Let him get settled into let him get settled into Connacht first, and you know, yeah. maybe we'll see. I don't know. And my other worry of lack of cover is is at loose head because th- there's no way Dennis Buckley's going to be back before the end of the year. We'll be lucky to get him back by March if, if the injury is as bad as it it appears. Um, and we've got a 23 and 24 year old, two 23 and 24 year olds starting loose heads. That's that's a heck of an ask. It's it's a big ask. Uh, they're still searching. Um, we we, we don't we don't have we don't have somebody back rolling the ability to go and sign a former World Cup winner, um you know out of the blue and just boom like Ulster have done this week and and um yeah it, it's it could be a serious problem. Uh, it, it, it potentially it's it's a huge problem. I think they'll have to find somebody, and very quickly. I I it it, it, it two isn't going to do it for you. It's just not not doable. So I mean, Dennis Buckley apparently his rehab's going very well, but it's 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 a planned out rehab, and it's it takes you can't really speed it up. Uh, and I suppose if I, if I damaged my cruciate ligament, they would get it to a certain level and say, right, get on with it. Professional sportsman has to get that back to as close to perfect as possible. 
So as the as the rehab goes on, it slows down because it becomes there's less and less improvement. But they they have to slog away at it. He's probably in there. He is in there. He's being there every day, probably on his own, just working away. If there's any other injured players, um, might see if we can get him to have a chat with us. I'd say it's tedium and very very hard work. But that's why you get to be a professional sports person because they're kind of wired a bit differently to the rest of us and we wish him well and we want to see him back and what happened to him was a disgrace in that game and that's something that world rugby needs to sort out is that nonsense at the breakdown where where a player can get injured in, in that way yeah i think there's they, they have brought a law in where they're not you know players are not allowed to target the lower limbs the Jackler's not allowed to be targeted. I don't know if it's been brought in for the URC, but I, I know they were trialling it during the summer, during the internationals. So hopefully that's brought in. So the only thing we can just do, we'll just quickly mention as we come to the end of the pod, um, Champions Cup. We get to go back to Welford Road. I was gutted last year when I couldn't get back to one of the citadels of English rugby and we're, we're going to get there this season, which I'm delighted about. And, and we're also going to get back the chance to go back to Paris, not not quite the U Arena, but hey, Paris. Looking forward to meeting Kieran. I think Kieran's got going to have to build a huge extension for all the people who want to hang out in his place. Kieran McNamara over there. So, looking forward well, to he that. Could borrow, he could borrow one of those tents that the women were forced to use last week. And put it out in his garden. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the middle of January will be lovely. Yeah, middle of January. Though. Well, January to Paris, and um, we don't know the exact details. We know the weekend. We're just waiting. And similarly, Leicester, uh, Le- the week Leicester before is Christmas. The, yeah, that is, I'm sorry, my weekend, my Christmas starts that weekend. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm going to that game. I don't care. Um, I know technically I'm meant to be at work on the Monday, but I'll, I'll come to an arrangement. So that would be a great way to start Christmas because, you know, then we're not, uh, then we don't have a home game until New Year's Day. Yeah, and some of us will have to go to Belfast on St. Stephen's Day. It'll be pleasant. Indeed, indeed. Oh, I, having it'll be the third time we've done it, so I, I'm 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 used to it now. So looking at looking at squad sizes, from what I can see, Leinster have forty five or forty six players. Ulster have forty six. Munster have forty eight. We have forty three. Now, something seems slightly wrong there. Maybe maybe I'm missing something, but that's that's the official. If you look at the 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 way they've been yeah. set out so far, like. There has to be room initially for another prop. We must be able to pick up another prop on that front because at least get us to 44. Um, and also our academy isn't isn't as big as some of the others. Now, I know a lot of their players have come up through the academy. I know Munster signed an awful lot of their academy players um, got signed up to the senior squad last season, as did, did Leinster, which is great to see that the, the academies are working. And Connacht obviously have a, a decent academy if a bit smaller. But um, there has to be more. There has to be something more for to help Connacht be competitive because it doesn't look as though we're going to qualify for the Champions Cup next season. I think the problem is that, well, you know, Niall already said earlier on, only Leinster have filled their academy spaces, which does suggest that there may be a shortage of players that are actually at the required level to come into an academy or who want to come into an academy. Um, and I mean, Leinster will probably finish up using about 57 players, some of which you've never heard of. But I think Connacht will have to work with what they have. Mm. So, you know, 44 is tight because uh, if you're trying to get to, you know, if you're trying to get a, for example, next Friday when we go to Cardiff, 
they're playing Ulster at the High Performance Centre. So you're going to have 25, 26 players going to Cardiff, 25 minimum. You've then got to get a similar number going to the High Performance Centre. And you've still got a player like uh, Bundy is not available. He was at the Ireland training camp today. There was a, a one-day camp. Um, there's a couple of players. Caelan Blade, we don't think, is available for next week either. He's still carrying a knock, even though he went to this camp today, which must have been a no-contact. More of a meeting, I'd say, than anything else. There was 50 players added. Six Connacht players were there. So they are running on a bit of a bare bones. It seems a lot of players when you go, oh, 40, 43, maybe a drop out of 44. But, you know, it's it's these these squads are immeasurably sort of bigger. There's people around, but Connacht are on the fumes a bit. They certainly are. Okay, so let's let's bring our podcast to a close. Where are Connacht going to finish? this year of course there's two tables isn't there there's the interpro table as i call it even though it's you know it's it's our fixtures again it's the total of all the games that they play but effectively an interpro table and then the actual table so what do you reckon dave where are kind of going to finish i'm still not sure if the south africans are as good as we think they are but if they are maybe i'm going to be optimistic i'm going to say i'm going to say seven behind three of the South African teams, the other three Irish provinces, and possibly the Scarlets. But we could equally, we could easily finish second or we could finish 15th. It's just, it's, it's so hard to tell. But I'm going to be optimistic, say seventh, and we'll get the last place because I think one of, I think the Scottish-Italian teams will finish behind us and we'll get the last place. Okay, okay. Lindley, that's, that's a positive start. Or are you quite as positive? Are you as positive? Um, I'll tell you that after the first match and see how they play. I'm not I'm not necessarily positive at the moment. Look, in, in the sense that from what I've seen from the, the preseason games, they're certainly not the finished article. There's a hell of a lot of work to be done. Whether they're going to be ready for that, you know, next weekend, one certainly hopes so. I, I come come back to me after I've seen the first couple of games and I, and I might have a better idea because literally we have had we've got new players in, you know I haven't seen well, I haven't seen them how they're playing this yet you know Andy Friend talks about you know his new motto which is you know the fast and the the relentless and the other word I, which I can't remember um, but and that's and and that's the way he wants to play a game you know up against the bigger South African sides. It can work and it may not work. It depends on it, it. It all depends on the way that the game is played and the way that the South Africans want to play the game. Look, we've done well in the past. I can see exactly where, you know, you're coming from with your seventh place, Dave. But I, I, I just want to see how these South Africans fare in a few couple of the rounds and what their attitude is to this tournament. Because literally, we've never had these super teams coming up here. And I really want to see what they're like, how they treat it. You know, they are very, let's face it, they're very, very big. But then again, New Zealand does seem to be able to cope with them, you know, playing fast, you know, games. All I have to say about Conant is it's all very well to have that motto, but I want to add one more word to that motto, and that is accuracy. Accuracy indeed. William, your thoughts on where we'll finish? Yeah, I think a lot does depend on the South Africans. I think they'll take this tournament very seriously. I think they'll get better because their internationals will come back. I think the time to play them is now. I think they're, they, they, they will admit that they're 
their strength and depth down there is not what you would think it would be. And that's, of course, because, because they have about 250 guys playing all over Europe. And Yes, that's the biggest problem they have. They have, they have players all everywhere. But when the South African, the bottom line is for the South African players to get picked to play in the rugby championship and get ready for the November internationals and something, this is the tournament they have to play in. They've signed up to this. Now, it's still a hard sell down there, but it, that's what they've gone for. Um, I think we're going to struggle in the Interpros again. And I think because that's a third of your season, uh, I have a suspicion that Connacht will not finish in the Champions Cup place next season. Um, I think Ulster, Munster and Leinster will win more games. I think it's going to be a really difficult ask to, 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 to get up in the, the inter-pro part of the tournament. And the start again is just, I know it's a start every season, but if you come out of this start one, two, lose three. You just about get away with that. If it's any worse than that and you're having to chase, uh, it'll get very tricky. And I'm okay. I, I just I think it's a new it's a new coaching ticket, it's a new structure with players. Um big challenge. I think it's gonna be a really, really tough year. Hope I'm wrong. I think it'll be a fascinating year, but I think it's it's gonna be a toughie. Yeah, well, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to go with the fact that we have so many home games that the fans are going to get in behind us. They're going to really inspire the players. You're going to have the 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 cussedness that that Mossy and and uh, Collie Tucker will bring. Uh, you're going to have Deval Senegal fixing a lot of our line of issues, which they did for the, a lot of the the time last week against London Irish. And I think we're going to win a few more games than we've lost. And the belief that the, the players picked up with their three away wins against the three prevent provinces, the other provinces last season is going to, you know, give them a little bit more. And I'm going to be very positive and say, yeah, we're going to have a cracking season. And I can't wait for it. Thanks everyone. Really enjoyed that. Looking forward to getting back into a routine now over the next four or five weeks of midweek podcast. And there's going to be a big change in the in the craggy rugby podcast world because we're going to put some of these podcasts behind the paywall. The match day one is going to stay free to everybody. That'll be on our normal stream. But if you want to listen to the ramblings of the craggy crew and, and get all the details of you know what's going on in Connacht Rugby, but if you want to get the detail that we bring, you can catch us on patreon.com slash craggy rugby. We have two tiers. You've got the club tier where you get the midweek podcast, you'll get the coaches interview before a game. I think we're the only people who do that. The reasoning behind the teams that they've picked before the team, uh, just after the teams have been picked. Um, and then we have an executive club tier where you'll actually get to talk to us. We're going we're gonna to set up a chance for people to actually have live chats with us. Just We're just trying to engage a bit more with you guys and trying to bring as much economic work as we can out there. And um, in order to do that, we need a, a wee bit more money. So hopefully you'll support us and keep supporting us. And thanks to everyone who has supported us through the years. And um, hopefully you'll stay on board. And this change kicks in on our Patreon site from the 1st of October. So from October 1st, we go behind the paywall. But up to then, anything we do will be free. So you'll get an idea of what we do. And maybe you'll feel you, you want to help us along. Thanks, folks. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.